The Sports Career Podcast, episode 170, how to create your own personal code of conduct to achieve success in what you do. Sports Achiever, thank you for tuning in to the Sports Career Podcast this week. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. Just a quick question, out of interest, are you following me on social media? If not, I really recommend you checking out my Instagram profile. My handle is edbowers101. I use Instagram as a tool to really educate people with today's current sports career guidance tips from today's experts in the sports industry and in the business world. So if you want up-to-date current sports career tips on Instagram, go to my handle at edbowers101, follow me and I'll follow you back because my goal is to really help you achieve your sports career ambition and make it a reality. Now, as always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who will inspire and encourage you to be the best you can be in your day-to-day life, especially with regards to your personal brand and also your self-development. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Andrew Griffiths. Now, I'm changing up a little bit. Andrew Griffiths is an entrepreneur and a best-selling international author, and also he's a global speaker, where he specializes in helping entrepreneurs and organizations develop into a future-proof business. On that note, it's such a privilege to have Andrew as a special guest on the show. And that's when today's episode, Andrew will share his inspiring business career journey and explain to you the benefits of creating a personal code of conduct with regards to your own personal success. Andrew, it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast show. Please could you share to the listeners your business career journey. When did it all start? Uh, G'day, Ed. Great to be on the show too, mate. Um, Well, I, I guess I've been an entrepreneur for all my life. I'm 53 now. Uh, I bought my first business when I was 17, going on 18. Uh, I, bought a, I bought a dive shop 30 miles from the ocean, which uh, some may question, is that a really good business move? And the answer is probably no. Uh, but like most, uh, most early business moves, you, you figure it out as you're going more than you do anything with a strategy, I think. Um, since then, I've done everything from selling encyclopedias door to door. I've had uh, marketing companies, travel companies, all different types of things. Work for a uh, large shipping company as well. Uh, but predominantly been self-employed during most of that time. And in the last 20 years or so, I, I think that I've really built my reputation as an author uh, and uh, as a professional speaker, talking about all things to do with business. Today, I'm like an entrepreneurial futurist, so I help uh, individuals, businesses, even industries uh, future-proof themselves, and that's obviously how I met you here at the uh, conference in Singapore. So back to you. Just really quickly, just going back in time, and I may feel a long time ago, but but with regards to that first business at the age of 17, reflect to now, what did you learn the most from that first experience looking back? 
Oh, that's such an interesting question. Um, I learned so much from that business. I made you know ridiculous mistakes. I, I had no idea, no idea how to how to run a business. I, it was in the eighties, and you could walk into a bank and ask for twenty five, thirty grand, a lot of money then, and you'd walk out with a check. It was just it was a, a different time. But I learned some some of the key things, and I reflect and speak about this a lot. Um, I learned about the importance of standing out. You know, like every dive shop at the time was the same. You know, we all had the same plastic crabs on the wall, the same fishnet. You know, you had a ton of stock, which was ridiculous, and stock that had low margins. Um, your price, you know, the, the pricing is ridiculous. Most dive shops still charge today what I charged thirty years ago for a dive course, and you wonder why they wouldn't make money. So I learnt, and I completely changed that model, um, and I learned about the importance of standing out and differentiating yourself regardless of the industry norm. I learned about the importance of people and connection and engagement with your customers at a great rate. Uh, I learned how to charge what you're worth as opposed to charge what what the industry says is normal. And, uh, and, and ironically, these are things that I talk about a great deal today. The difference today, all these years later, um, is that... I believe them. Back then, I didn't really understand. I didn't necessarily believe them. I just was trying to figure it out as I was going, Ed. And, uh, and today, I have a little chuckle in my own mind because I think, gosh, you know, back when I was starting out, this stuff I figured out, when I started writing about it, when I started speaking about it, even then, I, I don't know if I was that convinced about it. But now, with hindsight, I look at it and go, wow, it's, I'm talking about the same stuff, but now I believe it. Just on that note of figuring it out, because I can sort of relate to what you're saying there with regards to my podcast journey, because it's such a used phrase, figuring out, to put actions into place, is it by setting those small goals, taking small action, and sort of sort of predicting your future and where you want to go? Because from a student perspective who study and they want to figure out how to start a career, in this case in the sports industry, would you just mind sharing some tips of how you figured out some of the learning lessons from adversity or using small wins as a way to keep motivated. Can you sort of see where I'm coming from? Because sometimes we can sometimes like freeze and get stuck. So just on that note, what tips have you applied yourself in your business journey of going through the hard times, but also celebrating those small victories along the way? Such a big question um, and a really great question too, Ed. I I think that Every single day for me, I'm learning something more. And I get up most days and I, I think I know less today than I did 30 years ago. You know, that's the reality of it. But I've learned a lot about being resilient. And, uh, and, and that's, you know, I've been through some very, very tough times in business. Been through some very tough times personally, like everyone. Um, but I, I learned um, from resilience point of view is that, again, you have to address issues and you've got to address them fast. And I think that we, no one likes to address the hard stuff because it's hard. You know, so we tend to put our head in the sand and uh, go a little bit into denial. So I, I think that that's really um, one of those things that I think if you've got something to deal with, you've got to deal with it quickly. You've got to take action. And action is a great cure-all. Sometimes it's a wrong action. Sometimes we can head in the wrong path. But the sheer activity of taking action is often the thing that actually leads us to where we need to go. The worst thing we can ever do is just sit on our hands and, you know, we get a bit paralyzed by fear or we over-analyze, over-analysis paralysis can set in. 
I think another really important thing that I've learned over the years is the absolute essential nature of the peer group that we have in our life. You know, uh, if you surround yourself with a group of miserable sods who, who find nothing but the negative in a situation, you have no choice but to become like them. That's what nature does, you know, nature nurture. And, uh, and I've always placed incredible stock in having really good quality people around me, but also making sure that I'm a good quality person to have around. You know, it's not just about milking a network, it's about, you know, actively contributing to that network. Um, and I think that that's extraordinary. Third thing for me is, is that constant evolution of myself constant commitment to learning and it's not just learning uh, education I mean that's I think a great part of it but it's learning skills it's learning personal development it's growing as a human being it's being able to be better as a conversationalist as soft skills being able to be better as a speaker better as a writer Um, you know that again a bit of a cliche but it's that constant never-ending improvement is a term that gets thrown around but it is actually that you know for me one simple thing every Friday morning at 10 o'clock I ask myself two questions first one is how am I better as a man this Friday than I was last Friday and how is my business better today than it was this time last week and they're simple questions but they're very very powerful questions in in helping you grow and that's what this is all about and we grow through the tough times we grow through the challenge I mean I look back at my life and say well you know would you wish you hadn't gone through that situation there isn't a single situation that I would wish that I hadn't gone through I I got decompression sickness I'm a commercial diver by trade I got decompression sickness, um, very bad, which, uh, and I almost died, and that meant that I couldn't dive anymore, and I had to find a new career at the age of 30. And you know, the, the greatest thing about that, now, if I didn't get decompression sickness, I would never be doing what I am today. I, I wouldn't have got a job in sales with this Japanese company. I wouldn't have traveled the world for years, decades. I wouldn't have started writing. I would not have had 13 best-selling books. I wouldn't be a global speaker, all of that kind of stuff. And, and I think that sometimes when we're going through those difficult times, the challenge is that all we can see is a difficult time. We don't actually see beyond it. We don't let a situation play out. And throughout my life, without a doubt, one of the greatest things I've learned is no matter what is happening right now, it's just, you know, it's leading to something. And, uh, and you've got to let the situation play out. For me, getting decompression sickness, it's nitrogen bubbles in the bloodstream that cause blockages. I give thanks to those bubbles every day because I have an extraordinary life today and I wouldn't have this life if I didn't get decompression sickness. So what at the time appeared to be the, the worst thing that could ever happen to me was actually the best thing that ever happened to me. I find that really interesting of like, especially 30, a lot of people pivot with their careers just from some of the people I've interviewed on my podcast show and actually they look back as it's a transformation of very similar to what you've just said. Just really quickly on self-development, you've highlighted some key points that it's an ongoing thing with regards to your lifestyle. Has there been a particular subject matter you've always had that interest to grow even more? There isn't one, uh, to, to be honest with you, Ed. Um, there is so much. I mean, I, I'm probably a bit obsessive like that too. You know, with writing, I, I, it's just, you know, when do you ever stop getting better at writing? With speaking, you know, like uh, it's something that every time I deliver a presentation, you know, you're trying to make that one your best one. Um, certainly, self-reflection, I think, is, is always important, but also... Um, 
I think trying to master your own brain, you know, I, I think we, we, we str- we're our own worst enemies most of the time, particularly when we're going through tough times, particularly when the future is uncertain, particularly when um, what we're trying to deal with feels like it's insurmountable. And, and I think there's, there's so much that we can learn from, um, from mastering that. And, uh, and, and it does come back to that, you know, to that reading, to, to, to listening to, you know, people say to me, I've got thousands of inspirational, motivational, personal growth books. And friends of mine who will come to my place and say, why on earth have you got all these books? You're the most motivated, enthusiastic, energetic, positive person I know. And I said, they're the reason I'm like that. You know, it's it's not like everyone. I mean, yes, I'm a positive person by nature, but you know, you, you've got to fuel that. And that's why I talk about you know the people that are around you. What are you doing? It's even the concept. I've never had a job that I've hated in my life or business even that I've hated simply because I wouldn't do that. You know, I I believe in myself enough to say no. You know, like I'll move on and find something else. And 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 again, you know, everyone can lose perspective about that and say, well, look, it's okay for you. You won't, you don't know my, what my situation or my story is. And like everyone, we've all got a story. I mean, I grew up as an orphan. I don't have parents. I didn't have a, a birth certificate. I was uh, abandoned at the age of six months with my sister, 18 months. We grew up in an environment. We ended up with this old lady who was unbelievably violent. I didn't sleep inside a house for the first 10 years of my life, I slept on a mattress outside at the back of the house, literally in the yard. And, and you know, I got into drugs, I got into alcohol, I stole cars. I, you know, at the age of 15, I, I reached that crossroad where I was either going to go left or right. And uh, I knew what going left meant and I knew what going right meant. And I was very fortunate. I had the strength of character to decide to make a very, very physical and, and um, a very clear choice for me in that moment to go down the right path and I, and I think life is filled with those critical moments that you know like that that impact us that you know I have another beer and drive you know I look at my text you know my phone when I'm driving I ask a girl out or not or, or whatever it may be or for me do I turn left or do I turn right at that moment do I you know whatever it, it can be and i think wherever we are in our life we know when there's a critical moment there we actually know that our intuition kicks in but do we do we do we go left or do we go right just on that note from from your upbringing which is i'm sort of lost for words in a way but how important from a career perspective is courage relating to your journey I think courage is is a part of it, uh, and and sorry, I, I probably didn't even finish what I was trying to say with that story. The reason I mentioned that story about my background was it doesn't matter where you're coming from. You know, it's not about your background. People, you know, I, I present on stage and everyone just assumes that I'm well educated, come from a good background, got this, got that. Then you tell the actual story, and of course, that illustrates the point about you know where you come from doesn't matter. It's uh, it's where you're going that's so important. But so much of it is about choices, Ed, and that's why the choices of where we're going, the choices that we make about what we do, who we have in our life, um, you know, like what kind of person are you going to be? You know, so many people I know who play victim in their life, and yet I find from my experience the people who have the most reason to, to play victim never do. You know, and, and yet it's the people who, who are bitching and moaning about this and that and all the other. You go, seriously, get over it. Who wants to employ someone like that? 
Who wants to work with someone like that? You know, like what are you bringing to the table? You know, and, and you know, we spoke about this uh, yesterday when we met. You know, my thing is always if I'm going to work for someone, whether it be in my own business, as you know, like I come to an event like this, I'm speaking. My job is to serve. I, I'm not there to get on the stage and stroke my ego. I, my job is to help the people in front of me. I write a book. My job is to help the readers. My if I'm coaching. My job is to help uh, the individual and. And again, for some people, they may think, oh, it sounds like a bit of a cliche to talk about serving. I think it's the exact opposite. I think once you you understand, regardless of who you are, regardless of how successful you are, regardless of who you work with, that your greatest ability is to bring value, to serve, to to make your organization, your industry, your, your family, your friends better in however you can contribute, all of a sudden your life has extraordinary purpose and meaning. And then you start to have incredible interactions with people. And that is a brief summary about that. Well, look, that's why we're doing this podcast chat because you blew me away with your presentation on two points really about looking at perspective in sort of almost like self-development, looking at different books or looking at different industries, but apply whatever the area you want to specialize in and adopt those ideas. And the second point, which relates to my question now, which I think is a great way for students and graduates, and I connected with this a lot, guys, with regards to this question, what role are you going to play in the future of your industry? And I think that's a better question than saying, how am I going to get a job in sports? So would you mind how you would answer that question so students can sort of use it as like a template when they do that self-reflection exercise? Um, and, and again, another good question, Ed. Thank you. Uh, I look at it, so my industry, I guess you would say, is the education industry as such. You know, I'm, I teach people uh, about business. I teach people how to write books. I teach people how to be speakers and things like that. So I'm a person of influence in my space. I have a profile, media presence, a lot of, you know, people that follow me and look to me as a mentor. And, uh, and so uh, for me, when I turn up, what I, my aim for turning up is to turn up the best possible version of myself, you know, without a doubt. Um, my aim to turn up is to always bring total integrity to the table. Um, and that's what I built my reputation on globally. Uh, how I act, how I am. You will never, ever see me drunk and stupid in public. You would never hear a story about me lacking integrity in business or doing something dodgy because it just wouldn't happen. I just would not do it. It's as simple um, as that. So, uh, you know, for me, I have a very clear code of conduct. It's my code of conduct. I'm the one who developed it. I'm the one. I'm not, I didn't, you know, it's not from a company. It's my personal code of conduct about what's right and what's wrong in my world. And then I bring that with me. You know, now I wouldn't work with an organization that didn't have an alignment of those values. And, and that for me is what this is about. You're saying, okay, well, you know, once you know your values and once you know then what you want to bring to an organization or um, what you want to um, bring to, you know, a, a job or however you want to look at that or even in your own business, then it's really clear because, you, you know, you've got your guidelines to live and to work by and you bring them. And, and people notice that. They notice when someone is coming to the table and they're clear about their, their, themselves in terms of their, their moral stance, their values, etc. So I think everyone should do that. I've got my 10 values and, and, I, and you know, they're, they're really clear for me and they're, and they're about how I treat others. Um, they're about kindness. They're about integrity. They're about trust. They're about, um, you know, uh, the, the values, I, I guess, you know, um, on that side of things there. They're, they're, all, they're all in there. Once you figure them out and you go, okay, these, this is how I want to be seen by others. This is how I want to act and feel when I'm really, really 
integral um, uh, in you know uh, or I'm really I'm using my full integrity uh, and and I think that was a really good exercise I did that years ago and uh, and and I don't know it took a lot of pressure off me because you just felt that's my code that's what I live by you know look at them all karate kid through to just about every movie now that the hero has a code be the hero in your own story I find that a fascinating exercise out of interest how has that code of contact conduct sorry supported you with regards to your personal brand online it, it, it's everything uh, you know Ed, for so many different reasons because again um, it's given me uh, a code of conduct for me to to live up to just as if you're a professional athlete and you're given your code of conduct by the club on how you should act um, I, I think again having your own just lets you know that um, everything I do on a day-to-day basis it, there's no grey areas because that's just what I do. You know, that, that code of conduct becomes so clear, uh, it's second nature. And you become that person that you want to be. So you want your code of conduct to be um, aspirational. You want it to be, you know, high level. You want it to be, you know, this is the kind of person I want to be. This is how I'm going to get there. And, uh, and once you have that, I, life actually gets a whole lot easier. That's, that's my view, mate. I'm certainly feeling that vibe of what you've just said. And just going back to your career now, what inspired you to be an author? And if you don't mind, there's a story that you shared with me yesterday where you needed some inspiration yourself. You wanted to reach out to Zig Ziglar about his sort of author journey. And would you just mind sharing that? Because I think sometimes as students, they don't have the courage to reach out to people who are doing something well. And uh, would you mind just sharing that experience? Yeah, sure, mate. Uh, uh, so I, I became an author. I wrote my first book about 20 years ago. I was uh, running a small uh, marketing company while targeting, and our clients were small business owners. And uh, and so for me, um, I, I started to really encounter a lot of the, the business owners had the same kind of challenges. I was answering the same questions day in, day out. So I really noticed there was this, this reoccurring issue. And, uh, and what I what I kind of did was I started to uh, put together some fact sheets so that, you know, I could, people could ring up, say they had a problem and I could actually just give them some information. Um, time went on uh, and I had 50 of these fact sheets and I thought, oh, well, maybe if I wrote another 50, and they were simple things, how to make a brochure, how to make a flyer, how to do a sales call, how to, how to get paid, you know, all that stuff in business. I thought, oh, if I write another 50, um, I put them together, I've maybe got a book like 101 ways to market your business. Um, I was really interesting. I reached out to a few friends of mine who are in the marketing industry as well and said, look, you know, I'm thinking about writing this book about, um, about marketing. What do you reckon? And pretty much all of them said, Andrew, you're a nice bloke, but really, what do you know about writing books? And, uh, and of course, I completely ignored them and wrote it anyway. And I learned one of my greatest lessons in life is never listen to the people who kind of take great joy in telling you the things you can't do and uh and and i wrote a manuscript uh found a publisher and it went on to become the number one marketing book in history in australia a small business marketing book and of course then went on to write another 12 books and uh, two more coming out in the next two years so with major publishers simon schuster alan unwin and now i self-publish as well um, so my books have been sold in 65 countries um, and they've been translated into everything from Indian to Japanese to Chinese to Vietnamese to Russian. And, uh, and I 
you know, I basically just finished high school. You know, I didn't really, I haven't got a literary background in the slightest. But what I do have is I, I know my market and I know how to solve their problems. And, uh, and that's a, you know, sometimes we, a lot of people don't write books because they think they need to be scholars. And you go, well, maybe you need to have good information. But anyway, one of the experiences I had soon after writing my first couple of books was, you know, I, I wanted to master it. I wanted to get better at it because you write your first book, you amazed anyone buys a copy. I was blown away by the success of my book. But then I started to realize that as I wrote a second and third book that I was going to be more successful at this, I needed to learn more about it. And one of the greatest ways to learn about stuff is to find people who have gone ahead of you and mastered it and learned from them. That's, you know, we all know that, right? Um, but it's no different to writing a book or being a speaker or whatever the case may be. And one of my all-time fans is a guy called, or was a guy called Zig Ziglar. And uh, I just love Zig Ziglar uh, with his Southern Texas drool, drawl and, uh, and his great storytelling. I, I listened to him just for his storytelling. And, uh, and I reached I literally got his phone number and rang his office and I got put through to his PA and I said, look, you know, Zig doesn't know me. This is who I am. I'm this crazy Australian author. I'd just love to have a chat to Zig about writing and books and stuff. And she said, yeah, no problem. I'll put you through. And I went, what? So next thing, my hero and my idol, and I'm sitting on the phone in Australia having a chat to, to Zig in Texas, and, uh, and we chatted for a couple of hours, over two hours, on all things books, on all things publishing, on all things sales, on all stuff. And I look at that and just kind of go, wow. Since then, I've had incredible conversations with, with people around the world because I've literally just reached out and, and made the effort and... Um, and perhaps being brave enough to kind of contact someone when in the past I probably wouldn't have. I would have been, oh, who am I to reach out to that person? You know, we, we, we don't do that. Whereas, you know, I get a lot of people reach out to me all the time now. I, my shoe is on the other foot and, uh, and I, I get, you know, t- hundreds, thousands of messages from people. Oh, I saw you speak. I read one of your books. I did this. I did that. And you had this huge influence on my life. Rah, rah. And it's like, you know, I, I look at it again so much of where I am at today is because perhaps courage is a word or blind um, pig-headedness, whatever you'd want to call it. I wasn't embarrassed to reach out to people. I wasn't embarrassed to ask people about what I didn't know. But I also was a very, very good observer of people who were very successful in my space. And I deconstructed what they did. You know, I, I reached out to probably 20 authors that had sold a million books or more. And I, and I spoke to them. I went to events and I saw them. I stalked them. I deconstructed their business model, whatever it was. And I came up with my exactly why they're successful. And, uh, and I used that business model for me and became successful as an author. And, uh, and I look at that and kind of go, wow, there's, there, there's so many keys to success if we're prepared to look for them, if we're smart enough to figure them out, that kind of stuff. Relates to what we said right from the start by taking action as well. And I love to just talk about your career now, but looking back of what you've enjoyed the most. Um, I'm a teacher by heart. I think I love teaching people stuff. I mean, I started teaching people how to dive, you know, in reality. And today now I teach people about business. I teach people about personal growth. I teach people how to write books. I teach people how to be speakers. Um, I, you know, like here I'm speaking at this conference um, and the topic was for me to to future-proof the industry, to future-proof the mass participation sports industry. Now, I don't know about mass participation sports. It's not my industry, but I know how to future-proof an industry. So for me, 
when when you're a teacher as such, um, you you get your greatest satisfaction in in seeing people grow, and uh, and, and I think that I've had the incredible fortune so far um, of working with thousands upon thousands of people to take them from here to there, and uh, and you know, one person going from here to there in an extraordinary way is actually far more significant for me even than all the books that I've written in reality. And, uh, and, and you look at that and kind of go, there's, I think you're either a teacher or you're not. And, uh, and, and for me, it's just inherent in who I am is to share knowledge, to share wisdom, to share experience, to help people uh, solve problems, achieve goals, all that kind of stuff. So that's what I love. I can definitely hear your enthusiasm. I think you've highlighted an important point. And there's a guy called Frank Dick who's actually an Olympic coach. And he says, actually, we're all teachers. You're a teacher if you're a parent. You're a teacher if you're coaching. And it, it was a fascinating perspective. Again, that actually we're all teachers. It's just how we promote our communication. And look, I've really enjoyed this conversation. But I'd like to finish with an inspirational question. What three tips would you give to university students or graduates figuring out how to really pursue their career they want to do when they leave. Um, and uh, that, gosh, it's, that's, it's, it's another great question and a tough question. Um, the first thing that I would say is find an industry or a career that aligns with who you are. You know, if you've got, you know, work out that moral code. Like, who is you? Work out your code of conduct and say, this is who I want to be. Make sure you, you enter an industry or an organization or a stream or a path or whatever that aligns with that. Because if you don't, you'll never be happy. You know, that's, that's that key. The second thing for me is you've got to commit to constant and never improvement in your life. Don't make someone else responsible for that. That's got to be you. You know, you've got to get up every day and say, right, I'm going to invest an hour, two hours of my day to get better at what I do, whatever that looks like. I tell you, anyone who does that is never without a job, in my view, never without opportunities because you're, you're different than 90% of the people um, already, I think, on that space. And then number three is that example that I used is uh, when you hit a, a crossroad or a roadblock or, or one of those kind of challenging times, and when you're, when you're younger, you know, you're not as used to handling those. You know, as you get older, you get a, hopefully a little bit wiser, and you realize that those crossroads are, are the greatest times in our lives because they're the critical moments again where we go left, we go right. Um, they're the ones that lead to opportunities. So when you enter a period which is not good and you're struggling, etc., understand that it's only for that little bit of time. Once you get to the other side of that, you'll be a better person. You'll be wiser. You'll be smarter. You'll be better able to deal with what um, what the world kind of uh, throws your way. Um, and a bonus tip is is I can't emphasize enough how much you've got to have the right people in your life. You know, do an audit. Look at the people in your life and say, are they really, you know, am I surrounded by the best people? And that's really tough because we get very familiar with the people in our lives. Um, but, you know, the, the challenge can often be that um, we need new people in our lives to help us achieve new new things. And uh, if you haven't got a group of positive, positive, motivated, dynamic people in your world, you've got to find that peer group. doesn't mean you've got to get rid of your friends. I'm not saying that for a second, but you've got to find that peer group that's going to help you be the person you want to be um, and that's what's helped me get to where I am at the age of 53. Andrew I really do hope the listeners have enjoyed what you've said throughout this whole podcast chat and especially those three tips and the bonus one how can people interact with you online? 
Uh, it's pretty easy, Ed. They can visit my website, www.andrewgriffiths.com.au, um, and there's access at all social media and all the rest of it. Reach out. Love you to give me some feedback if you're listening to Ed's awesome podcast show. Um, and thank you for having me on the show, mate. It's been a pleasure to meet you. Well, on that note, everybody, that website link will be on my website relating to this blog post. Andrew, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Ed. Great to be on the show. What an unbelievable podcast chat with Andrew. And for me, this is exactly why I enjoy the work I do. Like when I met Andrew for the first time and listened to him on stage during his keynote speech at the Mass Participation World Conference, I knew I had to get Andrew on the show because his way, his perspective of education. Now, I cannot express how much good quality content that was in that podcast chat. And really, I'm truly grateful for Andrew sharing his thoughts, his beliefs about having a code of conduct. Like relating to today's podcast topic, I hope now with regards to your personal brand, your personal development, that having a code of conduct makes life easier with regards to your choices, your decisions, but most of all, your pathway towards your career, wherever you want to take it. And having those code of conduct by having those values in place, it makes your decision making easier, which Andrew mentioned on the podcast show. But there are so many learning lessons from this as well. The few learning lessons that come to mind is having a peer group around you that elevate who you are and where you want to go moving forward. As he said, if you want to hang around with people who are having a negative influence around you, as a result, it's like nature and nurture, that nature is going to influence who you are. But having an accountability group, for example, with like-minded people who are elevating you and your goals, as a result, you're building a positive environment for yourself with regards to your sports career development, with regards to your personal development. But honestly, there are so much learning lessons. This is another podcast I would say, get that pen and paper and re-listen to it because every time you will listen to this, you will learn something new. But most of all, which I admire the most from Andrew's career journey is his persistence of mastering his talent. Now, I was so grateful that he let, gave me one of his books called The Me Myth and it's a brilliant book and there will be a link where you can get a copy. And the reason why I'm sharing this with you, a lot of the learning lessons that Andrew shares in this podcast is reflected in his book. Firstly, Andrew shares his inspiring business journey. Like Honestly, when I read the book and learned more about Andrew and his life, I was blown away. Some of the adversity with regards to his upbringing has certainly given him courage, certainly provided that thick skin with regards to his own personal success. But also it goes back to his first ever business of running that diving uh, shop. You know, he admitted making mistakes is part of the process. And I want to share that with you as well. Making mistakes are good because it means there's growth. Um, I know it sucks making mistakes. Trust me, I know that from my podcast journey. But like anything in life, to really progress, we've got to make those mistakes. 
Um, not silly errors. You know what I mean when I say mistakes. Mistakes by taking big action and you're figuring out how to resolve that with new solutions to create progression. So look, I really do hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have and really take on board with regards to Andrew's lessons of having a code of conduct. You write down your 10 after listening to this podcast with regards to your own personal values, put it into place with regards to your sports career ambition and make it happen. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Andrew said, stop being the victim in your life Instead, be the hero of your own story.